Hello, 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 and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where we help passionate people create stable income with flexible schedules by getting ideal nonprofit clients with the best grant writing and nonprofit sales strategies in the industry. My name is Holly Rustic, and I went from working 50 plus hours per week as a grant writer inside a nonprofit, living paycheck to paycheck, to opening my own freelance grant writing business and only working part-time hours, earning more than I ever had before. Inside our programs, the Freelance Grant Writer Academy and the Grant Professional Mentorship, I have helped more than 100 changemakers get out of toxic 9-to-5 jobs and replace their full-time incomes while working part-time as a grant writer from home and around the world. Simply by learning how to write grants through our grants writing formula and implementing our unique approach to nonprofit sales. Join these aspiring and seasoned grant writers so you too can secure ideal nonprofit clients with cause areas that you fully believe in, get them massive funding, and be able to set your own schedule and revenue goals. Be sure to join our weekly email newsletter, The Freelance Grant Writer Hub Haven, where you get stress-free nuggets on the financial stability components and skills of being a freelance grant writer. Plus, you get updates about the Freelance Grant Writer Academy. Just go to grantwritingandfunding.com to subscribe. And now let's get ready for the most bold, empowering, and approachable coaching and conversations you've ever heard. Let's create a higher standard of stability, freedom, and legacy together. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to another episode of the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. We help you learn how to write grants and get paid to write grants, opening up six-figure businesses in 12 months. Yes, we do that. We're so excited about our Freelance Grant Writer Academy. So for more information and to get on the waitlist for that, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com and join the waitlist or join our free hub haven where you get stress-free nuggets every single week about grant writing and freelance grant writing. On the podcast today is Kent Sanders. And Kent Sanders is a ghost writer who helps leaders grow their impact and influence throughout books and other content. He is also the host of the Daily Writer Podcast. So be sure or since you're listening to this podcast, also jump over to the Daily Writer Podcast and subscribe there as well. He is also the founder of the Daily Writer Club, a membership community that helps writers build a business with their skills. So yeah, we're talking a little bit outside of our box today, but what I love about it is that Kent is a writer, right? And he's a ghostwriter. And a lot of times grant writers kind of feel like ghostwriters. I know I definitely have in the past. So what he's going to talk about in today's episode is writing habits, getting over procrastination, talking about how you can write letters to donors, newsletters, and so much more. So tune in today. And for all of today's show notes, go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 308. And while you're there, of course, be sure to join our Hub Haven, our stress-free grant writing nuggets every single week. And you also get notified when the podcast is out. All right, let's go ahead and talk to Kent. Thanks, Holly. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And we've already had a, conver- a couple conversations so far, or at least one over Zoom, which has been a lot of fun. And I got to give a shout out to Honor Recorder, who made the connection between you and I. So give her a little, little shout out here. So it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys don't know Honoré, she's actually been on the podcast once, so I'll definitely drop that show note or the, the link in the show notes as well. But she was, uh, she's my coach for writing books and Kent's as well. So I love it. So absolutely. Yeah, you guys have to check her out. So um, we also have a lot going on. So you have the Daily Writer Club as well. So where you actually help yes. folks with writing habits. So would you yep. say grant writers could fall underneath that because they're writers? Oh, totally. I think anybody writing anything falls mm -hmm. under that because even though we're writing different things, I mean, I think that writers of every stripe have far more in common than than there are distinctions between what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all telling stories. We all have to think in terms of marketing. Mm -hmm. We all have to think in terms of how do we serve the people that we're writing for, whether it's clients or customers or or whatever it is, or readers. You know, there's so many things that we all have in common, no matter what kind of writing we do. So I think it's all kind of the same thing in a way, mm -hmm. not, not to not to take away the distinctive, the distinctives of what we all do. But you know what I mean? I think we're all kind of doing the same thing. We're serving people and we're trying to educate or inspire or entertain on some level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And through the through the written word. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's like trying to have that I love you how you talked about telling stories and I think that's so important yeah. right and so even if you're out there and you're listening to say okay you guys are just talking about grant writing today no we're going to talk about writing in general as well because you and your nonprofit, if you're like oh but I don't like to write you're writing <laughs> you are writing emails you are writing yep. agenda notes you are writing you know minutes you're writing um newsletters maybe to your donors you're writing social media copy potentially emails like all of the things like writing is a part of everyone's jobs basically so um, yeah and some people just have it a little more intensely like grant writers because they're writing something specifically right um, or like uh, marketing people who are doing um, email writing and social media copywriting, right? Yes. So, but yeah, um, I mean, definitely nonprofits are writers. Like we have to write corporate solicitation letters. We have to write fundraising proposals. So a lot of how we ask for money is done through writing, right? So, yeah. And I think it's actually, I'd be curious your take on this and, and I don't want to mm -hmm. derail the conversation in a whole different direction. Um, <laughs> but I think in many ways, people who are writing grants and doing writing like on behalf of nonprofits or, and, and I come from the church world. I was in that world for a long time. Mm -hmm. People who are doing that kind of work where, where there's not, there's not always a money exchange or at least a direct money exchange. And, and a lot of it is volunteer and, and things like that. You know, that that's, I think that's even more challenging because that's different than just saying, I'm going to write something to sell you something so you can buy something from me. You know, there's, I think just in many ways, it's it's more challenging, mm -hmm. but also it can be a lot more fun mm -hmm. at the same time. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of that is writing to sell the vision then, right? Yeah. So yeah. you kind of are still selling something. It's just not monetary, right? It's sell, I'm yes. selling the vision. Exactly. Right? I'm selling exactly. the mission. Yeah. It's all persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. Even my daughter, it's funny that you mentioned that she's going to be running, um, for president of her school, her, her student, you know, group, like her grade level. Nice. And I was telling her, I was like, part of being a leader is just persuasion and having people buy into your vision and have it be yeah. their vision. <laughs> yeah, it is. That. And I was like, that's what nonprofits do. You know, a lot of times, like, you and know. Then, and isn't that everything on some level? I mean, that's parenting, that's relationships, that's, that's any kind of influence on anybody, really. Mm -hmm. 
is trying to establish common ground and persuade people to do things that you want them to do and see things from your perspective. And I guess that's kind of like just how we relate to each other as humans. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that we can do that through writing, right? And a lot of this comes across yeah. through that too, because, you know, like I said, how do you get, how do you get people to buy into your vision then or your mission, either monetarily or through volunteering, you know, or whatever yeah. it's through creating. Sometimes what we've done it traditionally is creating a lot of, um, fundraising appeals, creating, even if you have to, you know, even if it's a video, you're still writing a script, right? So there's a lot exactly. of that, that that goes behind it. So let's just kind of talk about, and we, we are going to get more into those writing habits, you guys, so hold out for a minute. But I also want to talk about you as a ghost writer. So you have the term ghost writer as like your title. <laughs> yes, that's true. It is my title. It's my job. And it's like so unicornish, right? Like I love it because like it's kind of like grant writers are like those unicorns, but like also like ghost writers, like that's super unicorny too. Like, ooh, what is that? Like a lot of people like, can you explain like what is a ghost writer? Because people might be like, that sounds cool. It sounds mythical. Yeah, it, essentially to boil it down to the the like the basics of what ghost writers do is we take we take our our time and our talent and our skills in writing. And we use those on behalf of other people who don't have the time or the skill or the desire to write for themselves. Now, when I say that, that that can that can kind of be construed as like an insult to people who hire ghostwriters. It's not at all. In fact, I think the smartest business leaders, if they're able to invest in ghostwriting and if it's something that works out for them, I think they're actually really smart to do so. Because if you have somebody who's leading a successful company or an organization, there's no reason for them to spend two or three or 400 hours trying to figure out how to write an amazing book. And they could be investing that into their team, into if it's a nonprofit leader, fundraising or making connections or casting vision or all the other things that are part of leadership or running an organization. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to take hundreds of hours out of your out of two or three years to do that when you could hire somebody to do that in a fraction of the time and it'll be done to a really, really high level? Like that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So I think honestly, the smartest leaders figure out ways to leverage other people's skills for communication, for storytelling, for marketing purposes, those kinds of things. As a ghostwriter, I come in and I, I try to really discern very much as a grant writer would do. Mm -hmm. You kind of discern, okay, what's needed to meet the mission or the objective in the situation? What stories do we need to tell? How are we going to frame this? How is what we're doing going to sell this to either customers or donors or volunteers or clients or, or whatever the goal is. So really it's being ghostwriter is, is really a very simple thing at its core. Mm -hmm. I kind of liken it to, if I can use kind of a weird analogy now, I kind of hesitate to use this one sometimes, but I'm going to use it anyway. So it's kind of like being a midwife. Mm -hmm. Now I've never delivered a baby. Nobody would ever hire me to deliver a baby, but from <laughs> what I understand about what a midwife actually does, is you're there to assist the mother as she delivers that baby and to make sure you're you're there to provide as much comfort and attention as possible. And once that baby is delivered, somebody's got to clean it up and deliver it back to the to the parents. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I do as a ghostwriter is I'm there to take your baby, which is your content, your ideas, your stories, your framework for whatever the content is, mm -hmm. and to clean it up and deliver it back to you. And we're going to do that in your voice and in the way that you would communicate if you had the time to do that on your own. So essentially that's what ghostwriting is about, is all about. Mm -hmm. Creating <laughs> those babies. 
I love it. Yeah. And it, it is like, it's so interesting because um, before talking to you, like I've never known someone who's just like straight up, like what well, Honoré can be, she's definitely can be ghostwriter as well, but like, that's your main gig. Like you're a ghostwriter. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because I've always thought like, I feel like a ghostwriter as a grant writer. And it is. It's very much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because it is, like you said, exactly. It's taking that, okay, well, what is the priority of this funding announcement? How do I make sure that your vision or your idea for a program or whatnot then gets delivered in the right way that these funding sources are going to look at it? So I'm right. having right. to deal with all of that. And a lot of times, um, nonprofits aren't even exactly maybe sending me specific things. We're just having a conversation. I'm taking notes and I understand the priority of the grant. So I'm able to spin it into the right way. Right. So it's, it's right. a lot of that interesting, like communication is really where it's at. Like, am I really understanding your vision? And am I understanding what this wants to do? Exactly. Yeah. Cause they don't know the specifics of the, how to get there. They just know, I want this to be yeah. like, this is important to me. So it's like, okay, <laughs> break it down. Ghostwriting is an idea. I think it is very much like grant writing as, as well, because ghostwriting is a very service oriented role. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are there to serve the vision of the people that you're writing for. Mm -hmm. And I think writers who have a, if you're a writer and you have a really specific way that you talk or that you write in like a real specific voice, I think that can be hard to transition into something like ghostwriting where you've got to take off those mm -hmm. things that make you unique as a writer. And you've got to, really take on the client's voice, almost like putting on a costume. Right. You know, like in high school, I was in theater a lot mm -hmm. and you put on costumes and you, you have accents and you're pretending to be somebody else. That's really what a ghostwriter does is we're putting on the costume of somebody else's voice and their vision and their mission and their stories. And we're going out and we're speaking on behalf of them. That's um, essentially what it's all about. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of like the acting, right? Yeah. That's putting on yeah. And, and making sure the voice is there. And I think that's so important, right? Like, and it is, it can be really hard. Like that's, that's a skill in itself is to translate the voice. So even if I see, um, you know, but even in my own business, if I want someone to write some of the social copy for me, it's like, they need to understand my voice, right? And how yes. I talk and how I communicate yes. and which emojis I use or whatever, right? So it comes across yeah. authentic, right? So for sure. Um, yeah. So that's important. Right. And, and like you said, a lot of times it's just because I don't have the time to do all that. Right. You know what I mean? But it still needs to get done. And as a leader, I, my time is maybe well spent more in my grant professional mentorship than creating social totally. media copy. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. You have to understand where that is. Right. And I know you, you specifically, like your ghostwriting is more specific for books, like you were mentioning. Do you do any other kind of ghostwriting for any other kind of like um, products? I do. So there are several things that we do. So I, I guess, I guess I could say I have an agency. It, it feels weird to say that, but I guess I do because I employ other people mm -hmm. uh, just as, as needed on different projects. So we do social media copy. We do, actually, we just now started doing podcast booking for clients. In other words, we're booking them on people's podcasts, but also we're booking people for their podcasts. Mm -hmm. Now, I only do this for book clients. So mm -hmm. like this isn't something where we do one-off things just for people kind of randomly. Basically, when when people come to me and they want us to do a book for them, uh, sometimes I have other writers as part of the process. Like last year, I did a book for somebody. It was a very complex research-driven book. So I hired a researcher mm -hmm. to do the first draft of that book, actually because it was really time consuming. And then I came along and did the edits and revisions. So I like that process because 
by the time I'm giving it to the client, they're really getting a second draft of, yeah. of the chapters instead of a first draft, which I think makes it even better. But yeah, we do books, um, articles and blog posts, social media stuff, podcast stuff. And we just started doing newsletters too, actually. So it's kind of like a whole package thing and yeah. people can kind of pick and choose what they think would work for them the best. And of course I advise them on what I think they really need. So oh, every person's a little bit different. So they, it really is like a whole marketing program for their, like around their book. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 I love that because even though it all ties in together. Yeah. Even if you guys are out there listening or watching and you're like, well, you know, what, how does this apply to nonprofits? Well, a lot of nonprofits now are now writing books because it's another way that they can get their message message out there mm-hmm. and their vision about what they're doing. I've even seen some really cool books on like um, stories, like, you know, collaboration of different stories or culmination of different stories that happen like, you know, their, their clients or their programs that have like this really cool yeah. impact. So, you know, there's like the really cool. And why would that be important? Well, then you're sharing these stories with people through this book. And like you said, because of all the things around the book, maybe you're going on podcasts to talk about it. Maybe exactly. you know, marketing materials around it. Like you're getting your mission more out there, which could attract more funding sources. Right. So exactly. Mm-hmm. The book is an investment. I mean, it, it really is. And I, I still think in our age of social media and podcasts and all those other things, and I do all this stuff as well, personally, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm anti any of that stuff. I just think there's something magic about a book. Mm-hmm. Like Holly, as, I, as we're doing this interview, your book is on the shelf behind you. Yes. And now you can't, I've got a big stack of several of my books. You can't see them behind me because they're up on a higher shelf. But there's still just something magical about having your own book. Yeah. Because when you have a great book with a great cover that's been well-written and all that stuff, it just says to the world, I took the time and effort to put together this special package of ideas that is going to help you to have some kind of a transformation. In your case, um, your grant writing book is going to help the people who are writing grants mm-hmm. to get better at what they do. They're going to have a result at the end of that process that mm-hmm. they may not have that they may not get by listening to podcasts or just reading blog posts or whatever else. So right. I just think there's still something really special about having a book. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And especially, you know, we're talking about like consultants, you consultants that are listening to nonprofit consultants, like it's a good way to separate yourself from other consultants. It's a good way to stand out, right? To have this book, it positions you more as an expert, just organically, Um, you know, all of the things like my book now is used in universities around the nation, right? And now universities around the world. Yeah. And it's like, it's so cool to say like, oh, wow, this is really training a lot of people in different places, students in nonprofits, right? And and able to really help people write better grants so they're winning more mm-hmm. funding to advance their mission. So really, really cool. Yeah, to be a part of that. And, and you know, and in a book too, it could be one of the reasons I wrote my book, just going offside here, is because my services were at a certain level, like to hire me for my services. Some nonprofits right. were like, we can't afford that. So when I wrote my book, I was like, 25 bucks, so here's a book. Learn how to do it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, it could get the word out there to more people, right? On my formula. So yeah, really, really exciting. So now we're looking at, okay, you're a ghostwriter, you help people. This could be something interesting to people, but whether or not you're even thinking about writing a book, y'all, like here's something you're doing. We established that you're writing anyways, right? We established as a grant writer, you're writing, but even if you're a nonprofit leader, you're writing emails, you're doing these other things. So you're the name of your um, your club or your community is the Daily Writer Club. So- yes. Let's talk about writing habits because even grant sure. writers, even myself to some point, I've procrastinated writing before. 
like, oh my goodness. Procrastination is real when it comes to writing. Um, when it comes to getting anything out, sometimes it's like, oh, that's the last thing I want to do. So I'm going to put it off. That's not always the best way to get ahead of something because you know what's going to happen. Your computer is going to break at that moment. You're going to get right. sick. Like all the other things like are going to happen. <laughs> so let's talk about daily writing habits. Sure. Um, is there a specific direction you want to go with this? Anyway, like, yeah. So if someone's really having a hard time, let's start with grant writers. Grant okay. writers having a hard time because it just feels like overwhelming. They're trying to get through that funding opportunity announcement and really trying to position it out. Sure, they have the framework because I got my wonderful course, but <laughs> my book, course. but still just sitting down and doing it, right? What's what's the recommendation to get you doing it to feel momentum, to feel more confidence and having that momentum with writing, right? How do you create I want to suggest two or three really effective tools. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus on just a couple of these because one of the things when you get into the world of writers and people who talk about effective writing and book publishing, it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all the noise out there. Mm -hmm. And I probably add to some of that noise because I've got a daily podcast on it. I've got an email list. I've got books and stuff like that out there. So I hope that I'm not adding to the noise in people's lives and confusing them even more by the stuff I'm putting out. So I think it's important to keep things simple. So let me let me just throw out two or three things that I think are really key. Number one, and I think this is honestly the most important thing with anything related to writing, it is that you need to embrace the idea that you are a writer. Mm. Because like like you said a couple of times already in the show, in this episode, you're writing emails, you're writing text messages, you're writing probably blog posts or social media stuff or Things that you don't think of as substantive writing a lot of times, mm -hmm. that is substantive because the very definition of a writer is that you're a person who's writing. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we get stuck sometimes with this whole idea of writer is because we think of like Ernest Hemingway, you know, writing his, on a typewriter, writing his big, um, his big masterpiece or John Steinbeck composing literary awesomeness or Stephen King, you know, mm -hmm telling his stories or whatever image we have of success as a writer. But the truth is that writers just sit down and they write. So you are a writer if you're writing. So I think that's that's thing number one. Thing number two is I try really hard to write a crappy first draft of things. And there are other words I could use in that, but I'll stick with that one. And the reason I say that is because we get stuck on this idea that we have to produce something that's really awesome the first time around. So if you're writing something related to to a grant or if you're writing a blog post or an email or a letter to a donor or a client or whatever it is, sit down and, and see how fast you can get an ugly draft of that done. Mm -hmm. I think that's important because it's much easier to work with an ugly draft of something that's complete than it is to just take hours to write like a 500 word thing because you're perfecting it as you go along. When you try to edit, like the, you're using different parts of your brain when you're creating and when you're editing. Editing right. is a whole different brain function than creating. Mm -hmm. And the reason why sometimes we don't get into a flow is because we, we're stopping the flow every 90 seconds because we get into a flow of writing something and then we stop and we edit it. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to get anything done that way. And that's why writing feels so exhausting to us because we're working so hard at it. So I would suggest just getting an ugly first draft of something down, whether that's 
uh, part of a book chapter or a letter or an email or or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I would throw out there is to use something. And on a recorder talks a lot about this, our, our mutual friend that we love so much. She she uses the what's called the Pomodoro method for getting things done. And I use that as well, mm-hmm. which basically is working in 25 minute, really concentrated segments. Mm-hmm. So I know her writing routine is in the early mornings. She writes for 25 minutes, takes a break and writes for 25 more minutes. And that's all that she does mm-hmm. every day. And she puts out a lot of books and a lot of content. Yes. And if you just, if you even just do that every day, <laughs> you can actually get a lot of writing done mm-hmm. in a year's time. It's like incredible how much stuff you can get done. So those are a few tips that come to mind off the top of my head. I love that so much. I also have like this thing called like the 60 minute sprint. So like, you oh, just yeah, sit yeah. Down, like it's very similar to Pomodoro, but extending the time. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like 25 minutes, I'm just getting into it. <laughs> so right, like right. A, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So like the 60 minute sprint, we're like phone off, turned over, no notifications, just the one thing, right? You're like jamming out yep. and then you've got to get up, take a break, move around, check your messages, get that whatever little dose of dopamine or whatever you need. <laughs> like, exactly. Get exactly. back into it. Right. But I, I love that so much, like as far as like, you know, just be, you know, sit down, give yourself like some time, but also know that I love how you opened it up with your writer. Right. And my friend, yeah. um, my friend Meg, she keeps telling me that too, Holly. She's like, that's just to be your signature author, or like first, <laughs> you know, like to change the mindset. Like, yes, you're a writer. And I love that so much because a lot of people, they might be like, oh, I'm not a writer though. I'm not good at writing. Maybe they're teacher and elementary schools that they weren't good at writing they were better at math or vice versa right so it's like learning to un kind of believe those those things that may not have been true right as well because everyone's a writer who's writing so i love that yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i also want to throw this out there um and maybe this is important for wars to be reminded of this writing is a really blue collar deal it's a very blue collar skill Mm -hmm. we think of writing is sort of this very creative inspired thing. And, you know, we associate like going to literary events and speaking in very sort of highfalutin high society terms. And people think of writing as like this thing that we aspire to someday if we work really, really hard. And I don't really look at it that way at all. If you look at the world's most successful writers, the vast majority of them treat their writing as a job. Stephen Mm -hmm. King is up in the morning. He's talked about this before. He goes through a routine, he gets his, takes his pills, his vitamins, he gets his coffee or whatever. He sits down at his desk, which is not a fancy desk, and he just gets to work and works for a few hours. Mm-hmm. That's all that he does. It's an extremely blue-collar thing. So I think if we can get past this idea that, you know, we've got to feel this massive inspiration all the time, and it has to be the, like this ecstatic experience, it's really not that way at all. Because the magic of writing really comes in the editing and the revising. That's why it's also, I would say it's also important to have good editors Yeah. when you're working on books because a good editor makes a vast difference in the yeah. quality of the book. They really, really do. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And even with grants, like I, I love how you started to talk about, or when you were talking about just write a crappy first draft, like, you know, and that's yeah. like with anything, like, I think it's so important. And, and I really changed my writing routine as well, just to be like, no, Holly, this is just like your writing and you're going to edit later. Like, it, I love how yeah. you talk about those two things because it's really made such a difference in the speed of my writing and just in the happiness and the flow of it. 
to do that. But even if I'm writing an email, a lot of times I'm like, la, la, and then I'm going to save it. I'm going to look at it later. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to send it yet, but it's done. And I can, then I can kind of reshape it up. Like you said, yeah. I or, or sometimes you, I yeah. don't know if anybody else does this, but sometimes you can make the mistake of you put the person that you're sending it to, you already put, put that person's address in the send field. Then you're like composing your email and then you accidentally send it before you finished with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, I did that. <laughs> yep. That happens. It happens. But, yeah. But I, I love it. You know, you just get it out there. And even if you don't know what to write for social media copy, like just write and then come back. You can come back. You can look at it again. Right. And even that draft, like have other people look at it. When I, the first place I ever like totally. worked in an agency, a grant writing agency, that's what we would do is we would all write our own grants, but we would send it around to the team. So everybody mm-hmm. had a chance to go through it, edit it, exactly. make their track changes, then send it to the next person. So, you know, it was so helpful. And I even started doing that in my grant professional mentorship where I do edits for people. So if they want to send in their grants before they send them to their clients, I'll look them over and, and give feedback. And that helps people with confidence. It helps them with like understanding, really right? All of the things. And that's such a good thing. So I definitely recommend that you guys, if you're writing grants, send it around to your team if you have one to look it over. Um, and even if you're writing other things, you can have people review some of that, especially fundraising appeals and that sort of thing. Do have people yeah. look it over. It's so important. Yeah. It is really important. And anything that, anything that you're doing, you can have other people look over it, whether it's beta readers for a book or, yeah. um, you know, people, just a couple of friends to look over stuff, or if you're part of a writing community or a writing group or something. Um, writing is really a team sport. I mean, we, we do the bulk of it as individuals, but then when we bring other people into the process, they really can make it a lot better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that so much. And yeah, and I, I love just sitting down and doing it too. Set that timer, yeah. try it out. Definitely check out the Pomodoro method. Super cool like uh, way to look at it is just, yeah, concentrate, get it done. Otherwise it can, you know, it can be like that looming monster and then it makes the process seem longer. Like, oh, I got to write that thing. And you keep putting it off and yep. putting it on your to-do list for next <laughs> week. And it turns into this raging monster. But when you actually sit down and do it, it takes like an hour. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah, it's like that. Do you remember that old Bugs Bunny cartoon? I'm sort of showing my age here. Uh, this was one of the really, really old ones. It was, he goes into this castle. And I forget what the name of it is. He goes to this castle and then he encounters this big, huge orange furry monster. Do you remember seeing that as a kid? Anyway, so some listeners that one, that. I, but I, I do remember this, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Okay, so it was this big, huge orange monster in like some castle. It was a mad scientist castle or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he kind of, you know how Bugs Bunny is. He's always pulling pranks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then through the course of doing this, he realizes several times, okay, this, this monster is really not that frightening. The monster is actually frightened himself. And I think that's kind of the way we have to approach writing is when you just sit down and you face that blank page, when you face the monster, quote unquote, you find out it's really not scary and there's nothing to be afraid of, but you have to sit down and you have to confront the monster. You have to have the courage to do that. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the courage to do that, you'll just continue to be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid because the monster isn't really there to begin with. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I have to check out Bugs Bunny now and find that episode. (laughs) I had no idea I was going to bring Bugs Bunny into this. So you never know. know. So, So, and then talking about, so your daily writers club, so you, do you guys actually sit down daily and write, like, write together? Like, is there a co-writing kind of group or what are some of the things that you do within there? 
So we don't, uh, the group doesn't meet on a daily basis. We actually meet on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. uh, so I live in St. Louis. So, so we do stuff with the central time zone. Mm -hmm. So we actually do a two hour writing sprint from 10 a.m. to 12 noon my time each week. And basically we get on Zoom just like this. We chit chat for a few minutes and talk about what we're working on. Then we shut off Zoom. Then we do a basically a 50 minute writing sprint. Get back on Zoom for a few minutes, talk about how things went. Then we do another 50 minute writing sprint. And then we do a call at noon. And either I do some kind of a teaching session related to writing or, or marketing or mindset or something about books or publishing or, or whatnot. Or we have a guest speaker come in or we have a Q&A session or something like that. Um, but we do have a very active Facebook group, like really, really active. I can't, I can hardly keep up with all the posts that people are putting up in there. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of people who are writing every day. In fact, one of the things that we do in our group is we have a spreadsheet mm -hmm. that people put in their work count every day in there. Oh, so but yeah, we, we really try to practice what we preach. I love that so much. That's actually how I got through my first book. Really? Was in a Facebook group. It was just with a few people that I knew. We all had a goal and I had to say, okay, I want to write. I think it was like 1500 words a day or something like that. Right. So okay. I was like, and I was like, I have to post. <laughs> so sometimes at 11 o'clock at night, and I'm like, I got to keep writing because I don't want to say I didn't do it. I right? get it done. So it was that accountability, which was, it was super amazing for me to be able to get through it. Right. So just having that. Yeah. So I love that, that you're doing that, the accountability in the Facebook group. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's an, that's a really important part of, of the journey as a writer is realizing we're not going to get very far if we try to do it alone. Yeah. We've got to be running. We've got to be running with people who are going the same direction and who are running the same speed that we're going because we're going to get there way, way faster. And it's going to be a lot easier and a lot more fun if we surround ourselves with people who are like-minded, who are encouraging, who are positive, who are supporting our book launches, who can give us feedback, all those kinds of things. So that's really why, honestly, what I think of this group as, and I don't really say this publicly, but I think of it as kind of like the best writing group for introverts that's out there ah. because mm -hmm. I kind of designed it with that in mind. It's like, even if you don't really want to come and chit chat for a long time, this is kind of, these are like your people, yeah. you know, we come and we really support each other. And even if there's nobody else in your life who really gets you as yeah. a writer, mm -hmm. we get you and we support you. Oh, I love that. I love, you're speaking to my people too. A lot of grant writers are introverts. So mm. yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Totally. Yeah. And they need the support though. Right. So like the feedback, all of that, like super important is in grants Absolutely. Right, to have that. And remember you guys, your deadline isn't your deadline for grants. Right. So I love this accountability that you have. And even like when I said, when I wrote my book, it wasn't like, I'm going to write because it was a fiction book. So it's longer. So I, you know, I was like, I'm going to write 75,000 words by this date further on the future. And that's my goal. And I'm never going to talk about it until then. I probably would have never gotten it done, but it was, no, I'm going to write just this many words per day. Right. So then I know by the end of that, by that end date way out there, I'm going to reach my 75,000. So even you grant writers, you can really understand and transition that to say, or translate it, your deadline to submit the grant doesn't need to be the deadline for your people to review it. It's got to be way earlier than that. Right. So if you're going to do your needs section by Wednesday and by Friday, you're going to do your objective session, right? Your section by uh, month, the following Monday, you're going to finish your budget, right? You need to have little mini deadlines to reach, you know, the actual submission deadline. You want to have that. And then that way you're going to have time for people to review it 
Because if you're looking at the deadline as your deadline, you're not going to have enough time for anyone to review your grant before you submit it. Hmm. Right. So that's a part of it too, right? To have those mini milestones that'll keep you moving forward, but will also give you the chance to really do it well and to have high quality um, hmm. words. So yeah, I love that. So just a little side note for all you grant writers out there. <laughs> yeah. This has been fascinating though. So before we go back to like, what are some lessons learned like that you can, any other lessons learned or writing hacks that could apply to busy nonprofit executive directors who are writing up a fundraising proposal? Like anything else that you can tell them with writing, like maybe a little hack that they can do? Yeah, um, two hacks in particular. One is you don't ever have to invent anything from scratch. Whatever you're trying to write, there's somebody out there who's already done it really, really well, probably. And I'm not saying to go out and copy what somebody else has done, but every time that I, for example, every time I write a client book, one of the things that I always do is I ask them for two or three books that they want theirs to kind of feel like. Mm. doesn't mean it's the same genre necessarily or the same type of story. It's just so I can kind of get a vibe of here's kind of where we're going emotionally with this book, whatever that means in that setting. Mm -hmm. And I find that really helpful because that helps me to understand maybe how to structure the book or how to begin the book. Mm -hmm. Honestly, one of my little, <laughs> this is a little side nugget, one of my little cheat hacks as a ghostwriter is when I'm not sure how to open or close a chapter or maybe how to frame a story, I just grab a random book or two off my shelf and I flip through it until I find something that just sparks my interest. And I will be like, okay, that gives me a good idea about how to start this one. So like, there's no need to just kind of sit and feel like you have to create a thing from scratch. Use world around you use the internet use other books or other grants as mm -hmm. as ideas so that's one thing the other thing i would say is and i don't know how much this really applies to writing grants but i think um maybe well in some situations you'll have to tell me holly if this applies or not but something i do when i need to get a lot of content out fast instead of typing it out a lot of times i just use dictation mm -hmm. so i do this for blog posts and podcast content a lot where i just for book chapters where i take a walk around the block and uh, maybe for 20, 30 minutes, or I go for a drive and I just do a, for lack of a better term, I just do a verbal vomit where mm -hmm. I just get it out and I talk it out and it's ugly, it's messy, but it's, it exists in some form. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of smartphones is that you can do that really, really easily. So those are two things that I use quite a bit. They're really simple little hacks, but they really work wonders for me. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And I love that, yeah, the text, because it can also, so many phones and apps can um, bring it to a transcript then. So it can be written, yep. right? So yep. that's really cool. I love that so much. Yeah, because a lot of times you don't know, you know, talking it out, telling the story out loud or, you know, different things. Like that's really where you're going to get some clarity. So that can be really helpful as well. But yeah, that's those are great, great hacks. Thank you so much. This is going to be so beneficial for people just to be like, okay, I am a writer. Even I'm just writing emails, like that's my job. Like, and that's a huge thing because I'm telling a story. I'm I'm getting buy-in. I'm I'm selling my I'm selling my vision. Right? <laughs> so I'm learning how to do that through a story. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it is good to remember that, you know, typing is a relatively modern invention. You know, like in the whole history of human civilization, typing on a computer, that's a really, really new thing comparatively. And even typewriters have not been around all that long in the history of humanity. For long, long, long periods of time, people just communicated by telling stories and by verbal communication. So 
like whenever we're sitting and typing things out, that's actually one step removed from what comes most naturally to us, which is just talking. Mm. So I, I think that dictation part is really, really important. You can dictate about 3,000 words an hour if you have an idea of what you want to say. 3,000 words is like a, like a full-length book chapter. Yeah. So, man, if you could get a draft of a chapter done in an hour, you that's know, a really rough draft, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been following some people. Yeah. And they, that's what they do to write books. It's really cool. They just use, mm -hmm. I know there's like the dragon software. There's so much other stuff out there yeah. now too that you can do that. That's so cool. Yeah. Cause it can yeah. be done so fast. Right. So oh, yeah. I love it. These are great tips. Well, yeah. And once again, um, definitely find Kent Sanders on the daily writers podcast are the Daily Writer podcast. So you guys can definitely check that out if you want more writing tips. I know you have guests on sometimes. I'm going to be on your show. Um, and you also do, do solo episodes. On. Yeah, where you do like every day, right? You are putting out a podcast. Is mm -hmm. that true? Yeah, that's right. I was like, it, it, is, it is true. I know it sounds insane. Like who would, who would want to do a daily show? Well, there are some insane people like me who actually like doing that. But the trick is each of my daily episodes is normally really short, like one to two minutes. So... And I actually, those are the first drafts, little dirty little secret here. The podcast episodes are always the first drafts of material that's going elsewhere, whether I'm using it for my group or in books or whatever. So I'm just kind of testing out content when I use it on the podcast. Oh, I love that. Have you been able to find then certain podcast episodes that have really high listen and, and develop something a little more around that topic or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it is really funny. Like one of the reasons that I love podcasting is because you can immediately see what people like and what they don't like. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it's been for you, Holly, with your show. I imagine it's the same, it's the same thing with all podcasters where sometimes you put out an episode that you think, oh, this is going to be a grand slam. And people don't seem to really have that much interest in it. Other times you do like a throwaway episode just because you're kind of desperate to get something out there and people end up loving it. Yeah. Like the beginning of this year, I did a series called Clearing the Clutter. Mm -hmm. And I just did a couple of weeks on clear, just real practical tips on physically cleaning out your office, um, cleaning out your desk drawers, cleaning up your computer, cleaning mm -hmm. out your email, you know, just kind of clearing the clutter here at the beginning of the year. People loved those, loved that series. I heard awesome. more comments about that series than I have heard about anything else I've done in probably two years. But I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, this was totally... I just did this series because I didn't have anything else to do the first couple of weeks of the year. So what do I know? <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. It's always like, you never know, guys. That's why you have to be putting content out there. Don't get yeah, stuck in like, this isn't the perfect blog. I shouldn't release it. Like getting stuff out there can give you a lot of information, right? So yeah, definitely creating yeah. material. Even like uh, Seth Godin, right? He, I think he blogs every day. So yeah, done that for years. Yeah, for years and so much content and so many people know him because of that, because of the yeah. content that he gets out there. So um, you don't have to do that, you know, but um, you also want to think about like, if we don't do anything like, oh, we don't want to do newsletters to our donors because we don't know what to say. Like, what? They're your donors. Tell them about how awesome your nonprofit is and what you're doing. Like, that's all you have to do. Tell your, share your stories, right? Get that content mm -hmm. out there so people can really, once again, buy into your vision, right? understand what you're doing and how are they going to do that if they don't know right so we do need to create that written content or videos or whatnot to let them know what's going on so yeah so if you guys Absolutely. want to hear more about writing um definitely go and check out the daily writer podcast um kent it was so great having you on here where else can people you, find you online 
They can go to my personal website, which is kentsanders.net, and they can go to my Daily Writer website, which is dailywriterlife.com, and I'm on all the socials, Kent Sanders, as well as uh, Daily Writer Life, so you can find me pretty much everywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, and we'll have to have you back on. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode today with Kent Sanders of the Daily Writer Podcast. For all of today's show notes, go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 308. And while you're over there, be sure to join our free Hub Haven and get our stress-free grant writing nuggets every single week. And be sure to join the waitlist for our Freelance Grant Writer Academy so you can learn how to write grants, you can learn about nonprofit strategic planning, you can master those skills, and then you can also learn how to set up a business where you can make six figures every single year, create more freedom in your schedule, and so much more. Just jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com for more information. And if you love this podcast, please do me a favor. Please leave a review on your podcast player as this does help other folks find the podcast. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe. All right, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.